Hello, legends. Today, I catch up with a truly incredible businesswoman, Barb DeCordy. She's the founder and CEO of Enyo Australia. The queen of clean, as she's known, has built a $100 million turnover per year empire and has sold over a billion dollars in sustainable products to Australian homes. As Enyo Australia approaches its 30-year milestone, we sit down with Barb DeCordy to find out what is the secret to surviving your business for almost 30 years. Barb shares her incredible story, including how focusing on money can be the worst thing you can do for money, the importance of staying connected to your customers and community, always focusing on your community purpose, how to change your mindset to believe you're capable of achieving anything, and how to take on big international corporations and beat them by changing the game altogether and doing something different. Enjoy the show. Bob, I am very excited to have you on the podcast today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, I must say it's reciprocated. Uh, I was looking forward to our chat. Amazing. Well, you have one of, I have to say, one of the most incredible stories of, of entrepreneurship that 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 uh, I've come across. And um, uh, today I really just want to share that with the listeners and share how, um, how you've migrated to Australia, um, started started a company out of a need for, for your son and built it into one of the most successful, would you call it cleaning companies or a f- fast, what is it, fast consumer moving, whatever? How would you describe it? Uh, well, we, we call ourselves a sustainable cleaning uh, product. Uh, so we're actually not fast uh, com- uh, consumer goods because our products do last uh, up to three years. Uh, and uh, so this is really what uh, makes us so different uh, to – other cleaning products out there, there's a lot of uh, products out there which still come in plastic bottles, uh, which are better for the environment or are better for people's lives. But our products are cradle to cradle. So the way they are manufactured is manufactured in Austria and um, they start there as a little kernel of plastic and uh, get made into microfibers and those microfibers then get woven into our product. So we're using science uh, to um, to clean and no chemistries. And the fiber technology together with water clean um, the same or six times better actually than conventional cleaning products. So once the product has been uh, used for about 200 washes, 250 washes, depending um, how uh, often people are using it, it's around two, uh, two to three years. We buy them back, and when I mean we buy them back, when you send them back to us, we give you a, a discount to replace them, and we also you send them back um, um, free free of, of uh, freight costs. And then we pack them all up and send them back to Austria where they then get made into T-shirts, um, could be made into blankets, could be made into insulation for for cars and things like that. So they get another life. Wow, so it's truly a sustainable cleaning company. 100%, and this makes us so proud of the product. Yeah, and and you're um, obviously, uh, uh, you you mentioned the Enyo products are made in Austria. Yes. Uh, so are you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm made in Austria. This is where this beautiful accent come, uh, comes from. So uh, funnily enough, Arnold Schwarzenegger and I came from the same area. He is, of course, a little bit older than I am. But <laughs> obviously there must be something really fabulous in the water because wherever we go, we seem to stick out, you know, or stand out. Um, and this is the interesting part. When you 
when uh, you come from Austria, it uh, recycling and looking after the environment was a given. Um, I was at the age of six. Uh, they banned plastic bags in Austria, so we're talking, uh, you know, a, a long time ago. And um, so, when I arrived in Australia, it was just not at that point uh, uh, an issue. People didn't even think of it. So. When I went into a shopping uh, centre or uh, to Coles, uh, Woolies or uh, any uh, food store, you got a plastic bag. And that was so foreign to us, so to speak, besides many other things, obviously, not getting good coffee, um, <laughs> <laughs> small things in life, and uh, people wearing thongs even in winter. Yeah, but anyway, we got over that. <laughs> And so, what made you move to to Australia? What was the? Were you married at the? Uh, you yes. were married at that point. I was married at the point to a wonderful man. I was still a wonderful man, just not married to me anymore. And we came over because um, we. I definitely didn't fit into Austria. Austria is a very. Um, uh, hierarchy country, you know, it's it's who you are uh, and um, who can start a business, who can't start a business, and uh, it was at the time more than it is now. And uh, we wanted a bit more freedom, and my then husband got a job here in Australia, so we thought we moved down here for uh, uh, 18 months to two years, fell in love with it, and uh, went back to Austria for a year to uh, ask for permanent uh, citizenship and uh, came then down here and started our life here in Australia. So you, and did you live in Sydney or you lived in Perth? Because you're in Always Perth in currently. Perth. And Always. so you just fell in love with Perth. When you I fell in love with Perth. The uh, reason I had to fell in lo- uh, fall in love with Perth when we came over, we had very little money and uh, travelling uh, around uh, Australia was quite prohibiting and financially prohibiting. Actually, uh, I think it, I was already living in Australia for six years or so before I travelled the first time. Um, even going uh, back to Austria to see family, you know, that was a major saving and and uh, job to be done. So I learned the value of money along the way, you know, and where to spend the money because you have a certain why you're putting your money away. So I, I was always very smart with money in that regard. And, and so what made you then start? Is that why you started Enyo or, or you brought it to Australia? How, how, what's the story of how you got into business? Uh, so at that point you weren't in business. No, uh, well, I was in business but not uh, uh, in uh, in Enyo. Um, I had always a bit of an entrepreneurial streak and I have to put it out there. I might not be the best businesswoman in the world but I have an entrepreneurial uh, streak and I can and see the, I can see in other people what they can't see themselves and help them to develop their, their strengths. So one of the things I saw in me is I had tenacity and I had a good eye for what uh, people needed before they knew they needed it themselves. So I saw a need to make um, Black Forest cakes. Don't laugh because um, the only one you could get in purse was from Miss Maud and that wasn't quite do the standard a black forest cake should be. I don't drink and I don't eat cakes a lot either. But so I started making cakes, baking cakes. And at the time I charged about $40 a cake, uh, which was, we're talking 35 years ago. Good money for a cake. <laughs> Good money for a cake. And I would make up to five, six uh, a week and a really good income. And uh, word of mouth 
So the business then grew and I employed somebody to help me making my cakes and had my little cake business. And um, and I always was always a very fit person and I love exercise. So I started um, to become an aerobics instructor because my English was still limited. So I taught aerobics. So I had another new network which needed cake. Then I saw a niche that people uh, always had only a... a, a short supply of uh, exercise clothing. So I started my own exercise clothing uh, business called Beware. Very clever. And um, then uh, I also started and, and, and ran for a long time a walking club where people paid me $3 and I took them walking. <laughs> I know. You're and, a business machine. <laughs> um, well, I saw always opportunities because one of the things is I find people – have great ideas, but don't always know how to motivate themselves to actually do them. And I think that was one of my strengths. So uh, at one stage, I walked 90 women uh, three times a week. So with $3 cash in hand, it was a fabulous business. And so fitness, health, environment was always very important to me. And what do you think it was, though, that was driving you to what – was, what was the driving force to, to start these businesses? Because I completely agree. I actually think my one of my best strengths is similar to yours, which is the ability to start. It's that motivation to just commence, which is where most people just – they fall over. They, mm-hmm. they don't start. But So what was, the, what was the driving force for you to start these businesses? The fear of being poor. <laughs> Uh, that, that's a good force. I, it is really. I grew up the oldest of eight and on a little farm, uh, and from the earliest age onwards, uh, there were always money problems. We had enough food, we had enough love, and we had a, a with a beautiful home. But um, just to go on excursion became a major trauma at home, and arguments between dad and mom. Uh, you know, don't I really need to go on an excursion? Is the money not better spent on something else? And both very hardworking people. Um, and one of the things is when I asked my mom one day, um, I was about eight years old, and I said, I'll be poor. And she said, yes. And I said, well, how can we become rich? And she said, no, that's not for us. This is not for people like us. And uh, and I was always wondering who the people like us were. And then I realized um, one of the early stages is people who uh, got treated actually quite badly. For instance, we had uh, a small farm, organic farm, and mom would sell eggs, milk, meat and everything. And people would owe us money six months out the well-to-do people in, in the village, and they didn't pay them. And mom said, oh, you can't ask them. And I, and I as a kid, and I was a bit older then, I said, why can't we ask people to pay us? We, we I can't go on a skiing, uh, skiing excursion. And um, so I took her little book of all the people she had there and went from house to house and asked for the money. And I would not – and I said, I'll be back tomorrow. I haven't got any money. I will be back tomorrow then. Wow. But what a tremendously intuitive question for an eight-year-old to ask, Mama, we poor. Like that obviously shows that you were just really you – were, you were analysing your surroundings mm-hmm. and what was going on and, and you were seeing problems with them at, at a very young age. Absolutely. That, that, that's, that's, um, that's advanced. And, and, and – 
Do you think that noticing that and noticing that, I guess, unfairness or inequality um, between, it, it, I guess at that point it's almost a a social understanding, which is why perhaps your mother was saying, no, that's not for us. Mm. It's because the social understanding at the time was, no, if, if, you know, if you're born into this class yeah. of people or this socioeconomic people, you stay there. Do you think that was a large driver for you to not only change that but to also leave Austria? Uh, I think uh, one of the things um, Austria is, as I said, very prohibiting and um, it, it – the, the one of the things is people like me who are quite outspoken, and I was as a child already, I always got into trouble, uh, voice their opinion and are quite fearless uh, and I have very little understanding when you want something and you are capable of doing it, why aren't you doing it? Uh, you know, even you go to the library, do the research, read about people who made it, a people you admire. Um, for instance, I read about uh, Mother Teresa because I learned from Mother Teresa if you want to make a difference in life, you have to go somewhere where you are needed and wanted. And it sounds ridiculous that at the age of 21 uh, I thought – um, well, Austria is not really for me, but uh, having lived in Australia, I could see the freedom people have and you just could open a shop wherever you wanted. I mean, you, you just sold cakes. You, you, you went and did the sewing. There was no bureaucracy and there probably was, but if it was so, I was totally uh, ignorant to it, you know, and, uh, and I didn't make millions. So the tax department probably couldn't care less about me. Um, but I learned a lot from uh, uh, Mother Teresa's journey and um, what her purpose was in life. So I asked myself very early in life as, as a young human being, what is my purpose? And I said to mom, what, what are we here for? Because I can't see myself living like this. Because, and then she said to me, you have uh, two choices. You marry rich, and she said, uh, which could easily uh, uh, be achieved uh, if you um, hang out the right circle, which circles we don't, or you marry a rich farmer. And I went like, okay, I can't contemplate that. Do I want to work on a farm? Probably not. Or you get educated. Now, I did the education, but what my mom actually uh, didn't know was that you need to be quite uh, tenacious and fearless in your pursuit of what you want in life. And where I said I didn't want to be poor, it, it, I didn't say I want to be rich. I just wanted to be able to afford my everyday life, a house, a car, nice clothing, uh, schooling for my children, a holiday. So I wasn't going like I want to fly an aeroplane. But for me, it was the most important thing, and still to this day is, um, firstly, I have a learning mind. I'm, I'm, I'm a consistent learner. It's, it's, I need to learn. It's, it's, it's I devour books, uh, podcasts. Um, I, it's just me because the world is changing so much and I'm a bit OCD as well. So I need to occupy my brain with interesting things. But my why was very clear very early on in my life why I needed to do some, uh, something. And then finding my vocation in Enyo because for me people are very important and a win and the planet and a win-win situation. So I was always like the more Enyo we sell, the better 
the purchaser, the customer is off, the better the consultant who is selling the product is off, and the better the planet is off. So, I mean, there's not many companies in the world who can say that. It's a win for it's a win across the board. Across the board. But let, let's talk about in your. I'd love to hear. So, what's the story of how you got involved with it, and and because you, you you turned Inyo into a. A, a huge, huge company with uh, over a hundred million in revenue, and, yeah. and, and it, it, so how did what, what was the start? How, how did you go from cake making, pala- a yoga instructing, walking instructor, to you know sustainability cleaning empire? Okay, anything in life, I think you do with a passion and a belief, you're going to be successful. The, the level of success depends, of course, the people you surround yourself with. But one of the things, my son had severe asthma. So uh, I was cleaning the house ridiculously with chemicals all the time to make sure that he is not exposed to any germs or whatever. So um, then I, uh, we went to one of uh, the first trip to Austria after we have moved to Australia. And uh, I made, uh, we lived with a bit of uh, with my mother-in-law uh, at the time. And my son did not have one asthma attack in the middle of winter, smog, uh, in-house, uh, you know, very little outside. And she was only cleaning with Anya at the time. And her whole house uh, was cleaned with Anya. And I could not believe that it would work, to be quite honest, because a soft little cloth and just water is just ridiculous. But um, the moment we came home, Mark had his first asthma attack again, uh, two days into living in our home. And then I thought, okay, I need some of those products. Started to use the product, ordered it in from Australia, uh, Austria, um, got in touch with the manufacturer, Johannes Engel, talked to him and I said, well, um, I would like to start this business in Australia. And I still remember we had to sell some shares, uh, some gold for me to be able to buy the, the ticket to go to Australia and we had some gold coins given, which were actually my sons, I bought them back for him. But um, he was giving it uh, from, this is, this is an Austrian tradition, you give gold for uh, confirmations and uh, baptism and birth and birthday. So we had enough that I could fly to Austria to um, to actually meet the manufacturer. So it was actually, first it started off for my son's health. Then more people started to asking for it. So then I decided to start the business. And, um, and then uh, it was always sold directly to the customers. So not multi-level, but through demonstration that how the product works and educate people. But so I want to stop on that because so is it sold in, um, you know, like supermarkets or is it done completely? What's that called when you do demonstration? Direct, direct, direct to selling. Cons- you're direct selling. Or direct to consumer. Direct to con- is that how, is that how Enyo is sold or is yes. it also in supermarkets and things? The one thing is not in supermarket is because um, a product which is lasting you for three years has a price point. So if you see a product which lasts you for three years and you have it next to a, a, a conventional cleaner, which only lasts you maybe three weeks, uh, the price point is uh, so much higher. So the, uh, the customer, if they are not educated, will always go for what they know. So we work with, and this is the second part of what is so exciting about what we are doing, and that's my passion really besides the product, is we sell through independent consultants. So 
um, women who were in the same position like I am, who wanted to hang with their kids, I know nowadays, uh, you know, some days you don't want to hang with your kids when you have them, but, uh, <laughs> but I wanted to be home uh, when Mark came home from school um, and also at the time wanted to have more children, which unfortunately um, did never happen for me or for, for my husband and I. So we had only one child by, by nature. Uh, what nature gave us. So um, so I wanted to offer them what I had, a little bit of a side hustle. And some freedom, I guess. Some freedom, you know, and doing something which is also good for, for, for people's health, a great income, a community, a bit like clear clubs, you know, a community where we can talk about not, not only about the business but where we can – empower each other to be the best versions of ourselves. And they were, they, they were like-minded, a group of like-minded women. Yes. Coming together and, and, and connecting through Enyo. Mm, absolutely. And we had a love for the product. We had a love for, for what we wanted to provide for our family. And as uh, time went on, especially the last probably 15 years, it became also more apparent for the newer generation. It's all about sustainability. It's about uh, the provenance of your product. And um, we just did what we did. And our byproduct was saving the planet at the same time or saving uh, an aspect of the planet which didn't need to be pl pl uh, polluted by plastics because we are cradle to cradle. And uh, the health of, of households with more allergens being um, found uh, through science, uh, with more f uh, feedback through science that chemicals actually have a negative impact on, on human beings, that we drowning uh, or suffocating in plastic. And, and can you explain, how does the Enyo product actually work in terms of cleaning something? If it's not a chemical and it's, it's it, like you said, it's the cloth with water, mm -hmm. how does it actually work? So basically the fiber technology is designed to have little, uh, it's, it's 100 times finer than a human hair. It has, uh, the fiber itself has different lengths. So uh, for instance, if you have, we call it a miracle, which is a cloth to dry off or a used damp. It has a very, it's very flat and is for high gloss surfaces. Then you have the bathroom ones. The fiber is designed with ridges, which are very pointy to cut through calcium and uh, hold the dirt in. So one of the things, when you think of it, uh, it the fiber itself replaces the chemical and um, the water is still the same. Also the chemicals in, in, a, in a detergent is maybe 1% chemical and the rest is water dilution. So we just have the product replaces your chemicals and the water which you have in t on tap, so to speak, at home will actually be the solvent. Okay, so so the cloth actually the the tiny fibers actually collect bacteria, germs, everything, whatever it is. They 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 pick it up because they're yeah. so fine in the way it's yeah. built, and then you basically just rinse it under the tap, rinse it all, rinse it all out, or do you have to wash it? Uh, you put it in a laundry bag and you wash it uh, because it's a little bit like dirty hair. You need a shampoo to get uh, get the dirt out. But the beautiful thing is because you do need uh, washing powder or, or soap or something to, to, to clean the cloth again, that um, the dirt won't actually come out before you put it through the wash. So you don't transfer bacteria, you don't transfer uh, let's say you, you wipe down something greasy on your kitchen bench and then you go into the fridge, it doesn't transfer. 
So, and the magic is that we clean six times better through science, brooms through science, we don't make these things up, than conventional cleaning products. Wow. And you can actually see it when we use a blue light or we did a Lumidesta because we also, the fibers reach into the little intents every surface has where usually detergent builds up. Detergent is designed to attract dirt. So if you have uh, on, on a smooth surface, uh, it gets sturdier quicker than when you actually use annual. And tell me, did, so when you started using it for yourself in Australia, mm-hmm. Did it help your son's asthma? Totally. Absolutely. It was a a game changer. Years later, through more testing of his asthma, his asthma was actually brought on by chemicals, which we thought it might be pollens, it might be uh, environmental uh, fumes, smog, um, various things like that, dust. But no, it was brought on by chemicals. So each time I cleaned the bathroom on a Saturday, because this is what a good Austrian does, and the Germans probably too, they clean their their bathrooms from top to bottom with bleach. And then in the evening, you put your beautiful, uh, uh, loving, the the life, you know, uh, the the love of your life into the bathtub, which is not fully rinsed from chemicals, and the fumes, it's not so much the chemicals themselves. Bleach is actually not that harmful to a human being in, in small dosages, but the fumes. So I put this beautiful child in the two-year-old into this uh, chemical bath, and the fumes brought on his asthma. So we usually ended up in uh, Princess Margaret Hospital with a severe asthma attack on a Saturday. Oh, my God, because that's the day you'd clean. So that's the day most of the chemicals were there. Exactly. And, yeah, that was – it's quite traumatic to think about it uh, later on, that you you were the one who caused your son's – no, he had asthma. That that wasn't my my doing, but that I brought on his attacks. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. And I just want to also get back to – how clever it was what you did in terms of your sales and marketing strategy. So you were obviously very aware that, well, if we just put our product in a price war by throwing it on the shelves with all the other cleaning chemical products, which are, which are very, very cheap, Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for us to sell them. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing that, we have to create an environment of which we're one of one product. And in fact, we're able to prove and show the value of our product and in doing so, creating a huge amount of word of mouth and community, correct, a, a purpose-driven community around our product. I think that's got to be one of the best marketing and sales campaigns uh, ever. Thank and you. I don't know if you were like, is that something you sat down and decided because you were like, okay, this is the best option or, or how did that occur? This was already a proven method uh, in Austria. There, there was one distributor in Austria um, because we have our manufacturer and then we have independent distributors. And there was one distributor in Austria, uh, Walter Grisa, and he introduced me to this system. And he was fairly new himself. And um, so I learned a lot from him. So I, all my life, I'm one of those blessed people, I always had mentors. It didn't matter where, even now, it's, and if my mentor is a podcast, if my mentor is, is uh, somebody I just meet for coffee uh, once a month. And, um, and I learned from those people the best practice. And, um, 
and this is where I learned that. And what happened then is, of course, you have you, you want to sell your product because you believe in the product and what it does, but then you see how you empower people. And that becomes a little bit like a drug. I want what you have got, uh, what you have got, and I want to help you to get there. And um, so in our heydays, when we did our 100 million uh, turnover, um, which uh, we are currently uh, not, not doing, we, we're doing uh, less now, we, we, um, uh, through uh, other companies coming on the market, but also making some huge mistakes along the way, um, way which cost us uh, market share because um, we grew too quick, too fast. And also uh, for a while, we failed to really uh, go through north. We experimented with various other things from, uh, uh, you know, uh, online uh, cleaning, making our own cleaning um company so we thought you know do you mean you got distracted from the core of what you do and that that was that 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 didn't work and so tell me so you started with the director consumer sales and marketing how quickly did that take off and obviously it must have grown very fast to go from um well new to to 100 million and what was that journey up like Um, and what were the big problems you had on the way I have given that a lot of thought because we were choking along for three years. Then we had one fifty thousand dollar months, and I said to them, my, my husband, "Oh my goodness, uh, yeah, I'm where I wanted to be now. Uh, we can afford clothing. Our car, uh, child can go to private school and other things. I'm I'm happy." And that was a fifty thousand dollar month. Fifty thousand dollar months, and within another uh, two years, we were at hundred thousand. And I don't know how. Uh, word of mouth got so out of hands that um, I didn't know my field anymore. I suddenly had 80 employees. Uh, I, I ran out of stock. Uh, we had uh, challenges with product because the manufacturer couldn't pro- uh, produce a qu- a quick enough. We have a floor cleaning system. I had to recall 36,000 pieces, which were sent out in three months, uh, which cost us market share. Um so there were a lot of things which too fast growth was basically what made us stumble. So we had for three years amazing growth and then uh, within uh, a year we have to turn over, uh, uh, we lost our consultants because there was no relationship anymore. I, I know they were just selling machines uh, and and they were treated as such as well. They weren't as valued anymore uh, because there were just so many layers in between Uh, and I suddenly was a CEO and and not uh, the connector and uh, I love people that's where that's my strength Uh, I love people connecting and uh, helping them to develop are you saying that you so you grew so fast that you were watching that growth and you started focusing on the money, on the yes. growth, as opposed to the community and the purpose. 100%. And and that eventually led to losing touch with that community, those consumers, which led to them either leaving or not buying the product and then to, to fix – and that had a huge financial mm-hmm. effect on the business. So focusing on actually – focusing on the money had a negative effect on the money. 100%. And, and then to fix that, what did you do? Well, the first thing, I looked again uh, into my purpose. Uh, uh, why are you doing this? You know, because now uh, 
we had Porsches, we had Mercedeses and um, didn't make any of this happier. I had my Gucci bags and uh, it was just ridiculous. You you have so much money and when you have been poor all your life, you, 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 you're nearly delirious, you know. And, and I was, was very generous, you know. I supported my family and, you know, I bought cars for my family and, and things like that. So I, it wasn't just myself. And we were very generous with um, donations to underprivileged people, to uh, homeless centres and, 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 and all those things. But it's all very good, uh, even if it is going to a good purpose, you still can only give when you have. And then seeing the market going backwards, by the time I actually saw it, uh, it, it was too late. Then you have to make redundancies. Uh, you uh, People lose trust in you. Um, so my, my respect um, or the respect I had earned so hard from my uh, sales force, I lost because... Um, they could see that, um, yeah, I wasn't actually the person I I, I said I was, you know, and um, so you had got, you'd almost gotten lost in uh, uh, in the success, uh, and, yeah, and and the sales force you refer to, these were women who were running their own consulting like their own business within yeah. Enyo. They, yes. they were going to their friends and and yep. selling Enyo to their friends and showcasing it, mm. and they were making money. Uh, while you were making money. Yeah. Um, and that's actually also a genius model too because you don't have to pay them. They're, they're, they're almost, uh, they, you know, they're running their own business. Therefore, yeah. they're, they're operating, they've got to make money for themselves. Exactly. And you have this essentially very cost-effective sales force, mm. but you still need to focus on them and, and give them that. Well, we, if you ever start and you want to get into business, uh, and I don't tr uh, quote Donald Trump very often, uh, but he, in one of his book, uh, How to Get Rich and Something, Something with Somebody Else, he said, if you ever want to start a business, run a direct selling business first because or get into direct selling because you learn all the ins and out of a business and if you have the tenacity to get actually the sale because the companies like us, we give you advertising. Uh, we do all the admin work, which a lot of small businesses uh, trip up on. So we do all that stuff. So you can do what you love. And in our company, you can earn up uh, infinite if you want to. You can even earn up to 100% nowadays because, and this sounds a bit amazing, um, for instance, we also need to bring new people on. It's a bit like your club, you know, if uh, through word of mouth and people are using, happy with, with, with the situation. And then they say, well, you know what, I love the product. I can actually sell it on. So they can start a little side hustle. And uh, you can have a pay increase any time you want. Uh, for instance, if you want to work less, you work less. If you want to work more and sell more, you earn more. So you, and as, as you introduce people, you earn more on your own sales. So it's not multi-level. Everything is just one level. You don't earn from anybody else. We have a training force, coaches and mentors you have access to. And... Um, which is just nowadays it's so different because in, in the olden days you promoted somebody who was a great salesperson to be a leader of a team. But that person nowadays doesn't work anymore because you need to coach. There's emotional coaching, uh, resilient coaching, uh, sales coaching, product knowledge, and it's impossible to do that for one person. So we have now about eight to ten people available for our field 
to tap into and constantly uh, hold. Um, you, you have eight, eight or so uh, like mentors yes. to to your consultants yeah. who are selling, who, yeah. who are there to support them and yeah. help them. And at their needs because a top seller who has an income of over $100,000 a year needs different mentoring than somebody who says, you know what, I just want to earn $500 a month to pay a little bit extra on my, on my mortgage or, or whatever it is nowadays. I love the product. I have a circle of friends and, and school moms which will purchase it and that is just for me. So we welcome everyone. But I imagine at the time when you first started doing that, that would have been a huge deal because um, obviously uh, there's a lot of women um, uh, moving into business and entrepreneurship today and, you know, in, in, in recent times. But when you would have started this system, that wouldn't have been as prevalent, I imagine. And therefore there would be a lot of mums, particularly like you're saying, who just wanted to hang with their kids more yeah. or have the ability to hang with their kids but also wanted to – work and have yep. a business and, and, and to be stimulated and mm. to make money and to, 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 to connect with other yeah. people. And so I imagine that would have been huge, like uh, that would have been a big deal. It was huge. The flexibility was our biggest driver. Our biggest driver nowadays with you, you have flexible work uh, uh, employment nowadays and I see it in our own hand, uh, in your head office. Uh, staff can work uh, from home on, on a Wednesday. Uh, we have a four and a half day week. We finish on Friday at 12.30, everyone. So we have this flexibility. They can take time off during school holidays, uh, you know, when it suits them. So what is most important to our customer now who becomes um, our future uh, consultant is the income potential because uh, people are doing it tough right now. So when you then run your own little business, which don't you don't actually have more costs because the costs are carried by you, yeah. by us, and um, you your income potential. Then you don't you know, have any overheads or anything. You don't hold stock. You uh, essentially have all the upside without the yeah. downside risk. Yeah. So this is our biggest uh, drawing card now for new, uh, I call them entrepreneurs or consultants, uh, which are not necessarily the best business people, but they have tenacity. And as I was saying, I'm not a best business person, I'm an entrepreneur, I see an, an opportunity and um, and uh, being a learner and, and, and surrounding with myself with all the tools available to me, this makes me then a good business person. Yes. And, you know, it's not innate in me. But it, it might even be that, you know, they could be great business people, but doesn't mean just because you could be a great business person doesn't mean you want to do it. Exactly. You know, they, they might be fantastic business people, but I don't want to look at the financial documents. I don't want to focus on strategy. Mm. I don't want to, the time it takes from my life and the stress it creates. I just want to be able to run a simple business so I can make a great income, contribute to my family and spend time with my kids. Mm. Like, it's it's and and in exchange for that, that that means that they're getting a fantastic situation for their personal life, but there's a huge benefit to you as well, which is that you have a, a somewhat a, a very cost effective sales force, sales and marketing yeah. force, which is which is incredibly cost effective. And the other important thing to me nowadays is, as as I grew more mature in in my in my business decorum and and and, and who I am as a human being, is the value we as a company present gets passed on because 
our consultants have the same values. They want a better pl uh, planet. They want better family lives. They want a better, healthier lifestyle. So we have a, a demographic now which are into healthy eating, uh, into exercising, wanting to leave the planet a better place. And they don't want to move back into a cave. They still want to hop on an aeroplane and go on a beautiful holiday. And uh, they will buy the old plastic bottle, you know. Uh, they, uh, we always say we are perfectly imperfect. And we love it that way because we don't want to be the extreme where we take all the fun out of life. Which, But if we can just remove plastic packaging and detergents from home cleaning, which doesn't set you back, uh, uh, you know, uh, thousands of dollars a month or, or, or with the product, but also uh, reduces their wastage and uh, it's good, good for your health. And the other thing is that, I mean, how often do you get on a plane and fly overseas? But yeah. your home cleaning, you do every day. Exactly. And it's the little, it's like, I mean, it's like business. It's mm. like the little things you do all the time are what make you successful. It's exactly. not that one big thing. And so if if you're focusing on the little things, in this case, sustainability, daily cleaning, yeah. that that is the most important thing. Yeah. And the and, daily clean. Yeah. And how are you, um, how are you managing the current environment, because I would say in one side, it'd be great for you because obviously sustainability is the biggest it's ever been. But on the downside, that means a lot of money gets poured into it, which means a lot of competition from large organizations. How are you managing that? Um, our biggest thing is that we have full employment. Uh, so that uh, a lot of uh, people who would have chosen to take um, create their own business are employed now. And uh, the other thing is also that people are very uh, savvy when it comes to the money now. So do spend uh, an investment of three years of cleaning products, which might be $1,000, for three years, people are still going out and rather buy the the, uh, the conventional cleaning products because they go, I haven't got $1,000. Uh, in the long run, these conventional cleaning products, we know the research uh, uh, through, um, uh, is it Nielsen? Yeah. Uh, research that people spend $3,500 in three years on cleaning products, which they replace. So they have a savings of $2,000 uh, by purchasing any of And you couldn't fit all those products into your garage either. So with Enio, it's a little bundle, you know. So there is a price point issue for some people. And, and this is where our consultancy is so important because once people can see it work, they can see the benefits and they can see the fastness of it and they can see the money savings and they can see the health savings. So this is probably our biggest challenge. So so price, you're saying? Price yeah, point. Because the big brands might be trying to bring in whether or not what they bring in actually is comparable in terms of is it sustainable Correct. or not, but they're going to market the shit out of it, make Absolutely. sure you believe it's it's true and yeah. then give it to them cheap. Yeah. And so that's the big problem right now. What, what so many companies do, uh, uh, the big chemical companies, uh, for instance, they grow, uh, we're talking I think $80 billion just in, in the States, uh, they have uh, the wet wipes. Uh, and, of course, uh, they show the same wet wipe. Uh, they don't even dry. Uh, and so everything is like it's $2, $3. And they actually say, well, it's environmentally friendly and uh, or it's environmentally friendly packaging. So there's a lot of greenwashing going on. And uh, people go, feel better already. Oh, this is a recycled bottle. 
our recycled bottle actually is 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 more energy costs more energy and water than pure plastic. You know, it's it's or a refills. Oh well, I have to send the refill back to the company. The company has to wash the bottle. They has to come back again, and there's other things. So a lot of of stories get told by big corporates, which are not beneficial for the customer. And uh, the customer thinks they're doing a good thing, but they actually they, it's it's not even a halfway house. Do you use yourself as uh, like? a strong face for the company because sometimes like there's been a lot of times um, in history, a lot of great entrepreneurs I know, they, what made their business special when taking on large corporates like banks and things like Mm -hmm. that was their personal brand. It was like, well, no, look, that, that organization has no face. Mm -hmm. Ours has a face. Mm -hmm. It's me and you can trust me because this is why you can trust me. And this is why I did Mm -hmm. this. Do you, do you, do you use your brand like that or no? Um, We're just starting brand Bob, they call it. (laughs) This is going to be sounding so ridiculous. I'm actually quite shy. Um, And I'm not, I'm not an introvert. I'm I'm, 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 I'm in between an introvert and extrovert. I can, when I'm passionate about it, I can talk till the cows come home. Um, But, uh, I just learned this, that I, in the early days, I was the face of the company because that's all they knew and uh, because it was only me. You don't have a marketing department, you don't have this. So, which just the last two years I've been putting myself out there again and because uh, I didn't want it to be about me and then I realised people want to see the me. Uh, I think because I burned myself when I went through this phase where I was so disconnected from our customers because... You know, uh, I mean, the life I led uh, was just not, not was just not our customers' lives. Uh, you know, a Gucci bag, this and 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 as I'm more mature, those things become so unimportant. My grandchildren are most important for me now, and the environment I create for them. So yes, I will be out there more, and hence I, I talk to podcasts like yourselves because I like your approach and I like who you actually interview, and what each story you your podcast presents is actually of great value to your listeners and helps us to make, including me. I, I learned some new things about property the other day. <laughs> uh, it was just great. It was just you know how to invest in property and things like that. So we all learn from each other. And, for instance, our podcast, we will share this with our, our consultants and our customers to realize you do not have to tighten your belt. You need to be brave enough to step out of it and say, I back myself here. I want this holiday in Bali. <laughs> you know? and I can find a way to do it. And I can find a way to do it if, uh, because we all, obviously product is always first for us before the business, for the customer. And if you love the product and you talk about it already, uh, the rest we help you to develop. I just also think like when when leaders and particularly owners of big businesses like yourself, when you openly share and talk about the mistakes that you made and why you made them and it makes it, – it further strengthens trust and and trust is like if I were you – I'd be I'd be ramping up my personal brand sharing story to create trust with with customers. Yeah. I'd focus on the purpose and the community, which again big companies don't have. Yeah. 
And I'd probably address pricing by having some sort of payment plan through, you know, through a finance or through an yeah. afterpay or something like that mm. to make sure that hey, not even the pricing is an issue anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I, it, it, it must be so fun to do what you're doing. But we will wrap up. I actually did have one question I wanted to ask you before we did. You mentioned it, that you came from very humble beginnings. Uh, you went from, uh, in your words, being poor to being rich. What was the biggest problem that 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 caused uh basically um what was the biggest lesson you learned the biggest lessons uh, were that all in the money is worthless if you haven't got a uh, family and health uh it definitely was the breaker of my my marriage because uh, i worked so hard to to have those uh riches and um and then it became just such a disconnect uh, of values we had uh, with each other as well. My, my ex-husband would spend money uh, like I did and uh, certain values weren't there anymore. So that it was the break of our marriage, which probably would have broken up eventually anyway, but uh, that was definitely a catalyst. The other thing is, I think the biggest learning is don't think for one fleeting second you have made it. Because the moment you think this, you fail. And this was the, one of the, the things I thought, oh, I have made it. And no. I think that's an excellent way to end this show. Thank you. Um, uh, to our listeners, if you want to get in contact with Barb uh, or reach out to Enyo to become a consultant or just to get the products, I definitely will be. My fiance, like I told you, Barb, she'll be obsessed with this. Actually, my parents um, um, both uh, got quite sick over the past 12 months. And so they've been eliminating, uh, they've been trying to live a very healthy lifestyle. Yeah. They're going to be all over this. Right. Um, so if you want to um, get in contact with Barb and Enyo, you can go to cup.club forward slash podcast and you'll find all the details and information there, including uh, Barb's favorite books and greatest lessons. If you want to catch up with Cub on social, it's at Club United Business on Instagram. It's got a lot of great content there too, so check it out. Barb, thank you so much for coming on the thank show. You. Your story is truly incredible. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show.